Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecaptionlife.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. In today's episode, I'm actually very excited about this because I'm going to try out something a little bit different for the Caption Life. And so you'll probably hear more episodes like this. And I am going to start doing a series of comics reviews where I'll invite a guest on the show to just do a deep dive about a particular comic issue or limited series or run uh, anything that we're both interested in. It can be a series or issue that had just racked up. It could be something that is from, you know, the Golden Age or the Silver Age of Comics, uh, you know, whatever we might be interested in. So this will be the first episode of that series, and we're going to do a deep dive review of the series that just ran called Superman, Son of Kal-El, which is from DC Comics, and it ran from 2021 to 2022, and it's a run of 18 issues. So we're going to review that series, and today I have on the show with us Bethany W. Pope to help us review this series. Bethany is a bisexual, non-binary writer, and she has won a variety of literary awards and published several novels and collections of poetry. The most recent books include Sillage, Mask, and The Hungry and the Lost. Nicholas Lezard of The Guardian described Bethany's latest book as poetry as salvation. This harrowing collection drawn from a youth spent in an orphanage delights in language as a place of private escape. Bethany has been writing for Comic Watch for four years. They are a lifelong comics fan. They currently live and work in China with their two-year-old son, their spouse, and their bizarre little dog. Bethany, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining. And I uh, want to let everybody know that the reason why I invite you on the show uh, today to talk about this is a, a couple of things. Is one that you're from Comic Watch, which we both write for, but you also wrote um, a lot of reviews for Comic Watch on this series. And I remember, yeah. um, you know, reading a couple of your reviews, but also the writer of uh, this series, Tom Taylor, had um, I think tweeted at you or retweeted your tweet uh, because he really appreciated your review on one of the particular issues that you really loved. And so I thought it'd be great to have you come on the show and to do a review of this series. So I'm very excited to talk to you about this. I'm very excited to talk to you. I think this is going to be fantastic. It is an incredible series with a lot of thematic depth and I'm just excited to dig into it. <laughs> oh yeah. Same here. Yeah. Well, before we get started on the series, I w- I'd like to do this with every guest that we have come on the show, and that's to talk about your comic book origin story. So I want to ask you, yeah. what got you into comic books? Um, you know, was it an event or an issue or somebody introduced it to you? Yeah. What is your comic book origin story? So I had sort of an unconventional upbringing. Um, when I was 12 years old, I was living in a children's home, children's home or orphanage um, in South Carolina, of all places. And Mm -hmm. uh, as part of that, I was doing a work program in the recycling center. Uh, One day, it was in the mid-afternoon, this older woman came in with a bunch of comics from the 70s and 80s and early 90s, which Mm -hmm. probably belonged to her child. And I'm sure she got in trouble when she got home. Anyway, I'd never seen an X-Men comic before, but it was mm-hmm. um, 
the, this box was full of early Claremont comics and I stole them all. I'm not even like ashamed of it at all. I shoved yeah. them in my jacket and I was just like, yep, you're coming home with me. And I, my first ever issue was the issue when um, Col- uh, Colossus fights Juggernaut in a bar. And oh, he's nice. just broken, yes, he's just broken up with Kitty Pride, which is this huge. Now it's problematic because she was like 13 and he was 19. <laughs> yeah. And that's so gross. But yeah. um, at the time, it was big romantic drama. Um, so I, I read <laughs> starting from there and I have never looked back. Uh, Nightcrawler is my favorite character and followed by Wolverine and Storm um, and then Magic. Mm-hmm. And I have been obsessed with Mm -hmm. comics ever since then, especially the (laughs) X-Men. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, You know, my my origin story um, isn't quite like that, but involves the X-Men as well, because I was introduced to comics uh, from my uncle. And and I remember the first issue I read from his uh, collection was an Mm -hmm. X-Men issue. And uh, um, it's funny because you said your favorite character is Nightcrawler. He's one of my favorite. My favorite growing up was Cyclops because I just always gravitated to the leader of the group. You know, all my favorite uh, heroes have always been the leaders of the group. But Nightcrawler is one of my favorite for a number of reasons. So I I can appreciate that for sure. (laughs) I like the sort of swashbuckling outsider archetype. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Nightwing is um, also fills that sort of sweet spot for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your origin story. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, let's let's dive into Superman, Son of Kal-El. And what I want to try to do before we get into our uh, specific topics that you and I talked about, we're going to touch on um, for those who are listening or watching that had never read the series. I want to read the official uh, description from DC Comics and then try to do kind of a quick and short, uh, concise synopsis. So that way, if you don't know what's been going on, we can kind of summarize it for you to the best of our ability. I'm not not a great summarizer so we can maybe hopefully between the two of us we can get it done (laughs) sufficiently um so so here's a description from dc comics and it reads a new man of steel for new era jonathan kent dons his father's cape as the 21st century superman from the best-selling writer of deceased and injustice Jonathan Kent has experienced a lot in his young life. He's fought Mm -hmm. evil with Robin, traveled across galaxies with his Kryptonian grandfather, and lived in the future with the Legion of Superheroes who were intent on training him for the day his father could no longer be Superman. There's a hole in the Legion's history that prevents John from knowing exactly when that will happen, but all signs point to it being very soon. It's time for the son to wear his father's cape and continue the never-ending battle as a symbol of hope for his home planet. But can John be Superman and still have a normal life? The son of Clark Kent and Lois Lane will earn him the hard way as he heads to college and combats the dangers of the modern world. The entire run is written by Tom Taylor, and the creative team consists of artists John Timms, uh, Danielle DiNicciolo, um, and I apologize ahead of time. I'm probably going to you know mispronounce all these names, and so I really apologize. Uh, Cian Tormi, Raul Fernandez, uh, Bruno Redondo, Wade Von uh, Graubadger, uh, Matt Herms, Scott Hanna, Raru Coleman, Clayton Henry, Scott Hanna, colorist Gabe Eltabe, Hi-Fi, Adriano Lucas, Federico Blee, Marcelo Mialo, uh, Ramulu Fajardo Jr., 
And letters Dave Sharp and Wes Abbott. So, again, I probably mispronounce a lot of those names. <laughs> um, and so th- this this description kind of gives you an idea of what to expect going into it, which I'll be honest, I didn't read anything about Superman or this story um, before reading Superman, Son of Kal-El. So they did a good job of kind of giving you at least the parts you need to know of what happened before in order to follow along with the story. But I, I didn't know anything about, um, you know, apparently Jonathan, you know, was kidnapped and was taken to a, different timeline or something like that. And so mm-hmm. in the comics, he went from being a like teenager or something like that, or a young boy to all of a sudden being a 16, 17 year old kid. Um, but the synopsis is kind of similar to what the description said is that Jonathan Kent starts becoming Superman in his own right. And then his father, Clark mm-hmm. Kent eventually has to go off to a different planet uh, to help. And I, I still can't figure out like what the situation is or what happened. Um, but the idea is that uh, he goes away for, for a time. And when that happens, Jonathan Kent has to step up and become Superman while he's gone. And it pretty much immediately happens as soon as, as his father left, he, his family gets attacked and he has to step in and, you know, protect them and then start intervening with global events. Um, and so you see this teenager who literally gets the weight of the world on his shoulders at a very young age, going through what it means to be Superman and to be Superman in his own right, but also going through some of the things that a 17-year-old will also go through and mm-hmm. uh, really focuses on his relationships with um, some of his you know best friends, with new friends, with um, a love relationship that he has with a character that gets introduced in the series, as well as his parents. So, um, so hopefully that's kind of enough. Um, he's, he's fighting consistently he's fighting a villain uh, named President uh, Bandix which he is the president of a kind of an island nation called Gamora and you find out later on that he's mm. also in cahoots with Lex Luthor because why not it's Superman you have to have Lex Luthor in there right <laughs> <laughs> um, Bethany is there anything else to that synopsis that you want to add that maybe is good for people to know if they've never run this uh, read this run before Um, I think you covered it Frankly, I think you got a good um, a good context there. Um, I, I know that Superman's saving another planet, and he's mm-hmm. working on something um, to free a bunch of enslaved aliens. But aside from that, that's that's all. <laughs> you did a right. great job. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing is, even though I didn't know those details, I didn't feel like I was really lost unless I went to that you no. know rabbit hole of what like what was going on with all that. But I didn't really need to know all those details to know what was happening no. in this series. So that's well, that's a testament to Taylor's writing. He's really good at contextualizing the stories that he's telling within um, the the medium that he's got. So you don't really need any further context. Yes. Yeah. He, he's he been a fantastic writer. I don't think there's been yeah. anything that I have read of his that I haven't liked yet. Um, yeah. And he's he's you know, I think last year or two years ago, he signed an exclusive contract with DC Comics to yeah. write for them exclusively for, you know, the next few years. And I can see yeah. why, because he's just, you know, all of his stories have been taken off really well. Um, yeah. And a couple of days ago before this recording, uh, or actually, it was just yesterday. Now I think about it. They announced that this run is up for a Glad Award um, yeah. for for a best comic series, I believe. And so that is very exciting. We want yeah. to uh, congratulate the creative team for doing that because I can see it's very well deserved. You know why it was nominated. So even if it doesn't win, it's definitely very deserving of being nominated for that. Mm. 
Absolutely. No, issue number yeah. 17, especially, is just on its own. It is a perfect comic. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, and and we can get back to that issue once we start yes. talking about Later. LGBTQ <laughs> representation, because I, I think you, you're spot on with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Bethany, what's your overall impressions of the whole story? Superman, son of Kal-El. I think the thing is, is. It's amazing how many consistent themes Taylor worked into the story without ever dropping any threads. I counted mm. 12 recurring themes um, throughout wow. the length of the, the 18. <laughs> yeah, I can go over them really quickly. Fatherhood, fathers, parental duty, bisexuality, capitalism, toxic capitalism, friendship, healthy <laughs> romantic partnerships, ethics, environmentalism, radical love. American fascism, media, um, and <laughs> yeah, radical anti-cynicism, which is so on brand for Taylor. Um, mm -hmm. And anyway, every single issue in this series touched on all of those themes. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's easy to underrate um, how difficult a thing that is to do effectively and Taylor pulled it off while at the same time having giant squid monsters and uh, <laughs> an, uh, ocean deoxygenization and a giant crab attacking Metropolis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you have these hard hitting um, intellectual themes interwoven mm. with overblown comic book goodness. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I love that crab. I love the giant crab. <laughs> it, no, I agree. It, he, he definitely mm -hmm. had a lot of fun with this and, you know, mm -hmm. doing a lot of different things that, um, you know, kind of brings in a different uh, series of characters that makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of really cool and interesting themes that hasn't really been explored or at least not to the level of death that Tom Taylor did in previous Superman comics. So I, I yeah. love Superman. It was one of my first superheroes, you know, that I got introduced to when I was a kid. Um, and so yeah. it always has a special place in my heart and my wife and I um, adopted our son. And so ever since, you know, he was, he was a little kid. I've told yeah. him about the story of Superman and how he's adopted as well too. Um, so the whole, you know, world of Superman is always held a special place, but I've absolutely love this run for a number of reasons. A lot of them for the same you know reason you said with the themes they put in there. I especially love the representation of um, his relationship with his parents, uh, especially his father, because I yeah. love not just the story, but the imagery that they put in here of what a fatherly love can and should look like in a lot of instances. Um, and so should is the key word there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and mm -hmm. so I won't go into a lot of details about that just yet, but I just absolutely love that aspect of it. And I think it was just a really cool way to be able to introduce all these themes and to bring in a wider world that makes a lot of sense. Um, and the mm -hmm. art was fantastic for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I definitely want to point out, because I know letterers don't get a lot of... Um, love for comics because that's something that a lot of people, at least a lot of the, you know, you know, common uh, lay person that's reading comics may not think about. Um, but the mm. lettering for the character Jay, who's also known as Gossamer um, did a, something really interesting that I thought was really cool where in the story, 
um, Nightwing was talking to John Kent about how he recognized John as Superman, even though he was trying to wear a mask and try to be in disguise. Um, Nightwing said that he, mm. you know, identified him because he didn't hide or disguise his voice at all. So that's how he knew it was him. So later yeah. on, when you saw, you know, Jay talking, um, actually, let me step back. When you saw Jay talking before that moment where Nightwing told John Kent about disguise his voice, Jay had a certain kind of lettering style. But then after yeah. that, when he was Gossamer, he was wearing a mask, you saw the lettering change. And so it kind of made me think that it was implied that uh, John talked to Jay because they were, you know, dating or at least in a relationship at that point. Yeah. And probably said, you know, you should disguise your voice. And so I thought it was a really cool, subtle way of doing that, that yeah. I picked up on. And I thought it was just it was really neat. And I, and I think that letters don't get enough love sometimes because, of, again, it's it's not as big or visual as the art and things like that. But that is a really cool way to be able to have fun with the lettering style and, and use it as a uh, as a storytelling yeah. technique that, you know, says volumes of what happened that you didn't see in the panel. So, yeah. So overall, yeah. I absolutely love this series. I, you know, I, I do have a couple of criticisms and mm -hmm. things like that, but I think that if yeah, you too. love <laughs> Superman or, you know, even if you're a parent, I, you know, this really speaks volumes of parents. I think that was the biggest thing for me is just the relationship between, um, you know, a father and a mother with their son. And I think that mm. a, a lot of parents will appreciate this story. And I think a lot of, <sighs> Well, maybe this should come later, but I think oh, for me personally, as someone who is both a parent um, and didn't have the best <laughs> parental figures, it's instructive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yes, it's both instructive and it's uh, it's healing as well because you can, if you're someone who is um, a bisexual adult who is like I am raising a child, it's both telling you how you can be there for your child should should they, they need it in the future. And it's also mm -hmm. filling a lack in your own life. And it's a comic book. Right. That's an right. amazing accomplishment. Um, can yes. I mention Federico Blee's uh, color work? Because you, you yeah. talked about the lettering. Um, Blee is a genius. Um, the way that he <laughs> uses colors it so subtly influences the emotional feel of each panel. Um, and this mm -hmm. is something that I've noticed consistently across other books that he's done. Because um, I know he does a lot for Marvel as well. And every time I see his name on the cover, I get excited because I know, oh, this is going to be like emotionally resonant. <laughs> right. <laughs> because he has, he's got such a knack for um, using color as a tool for generating feeling. Um, mm -hmm. so he can contribute to the power of the line work, uh, uh, in a way that I think is underrated and possibly not valued as much as it should be. And I just wanted to like throw <laughs> that out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and that's, what's really cool about this series as well too, is that it's an 18 issue series. Mm. And even though Tom wrote all 18 issues, the creative team with the artists yeah. and colorists and letterers at all change from first issue to 18. Yeah. And what I love about it is that it, the story is very consistent. The artwork does change in terms of style, mm -hmm. but 
the important things are still present no matter you know who you get on the um, artwork or the coloring or things like yeah. that and um, and that's I think another thing that's really cool about this story is that there's some issues or some stories when you're reading it it you know the artwork is so vastly different that you almost feel like you're reading yeah. a different story this one yeah. the artwork when they change artists is is apparent but it's not uh, distracting from the overall story because it still matches yeah. with a lot of the styles and things like that. Um, or at least the overall theme of the styles. And and I think that was something that was really cleverly done, but allows the artists to have a lot yeah. of free reign on, you know, their own, um, you know, uh, quirks and, and techniques and styles that they want to put into the story yeah. as well too. So, but it still had a unified voice. I'd be interested yes. in seeing Tom Taylor's scripts. Like, yes. I want to know how much instruction he gave to the artist and like yeah. how much of it was the artist's <laughs> contribution. I That's what I'm curious about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we want to talk about is I know we have a few themes and topics that we wanted to dive into with this series. And one of them yeah. is um, that I selected for the discussion is um, how this run really focuses on the humanity side of John yeah. Kent. Um, so John is not like his father where he is, you know, half Kryptonian, half human, whereas Clark Kent is mm. fully Kryptonian that was um, adopted and raised on earth. So he definitely has, um, you know, humanity in his DNA. But what I love mm. about this series is that it's probably the most focused um, story on the humanity side of Superman. Um, not that we don't see that in other issues or runs, but I think the humanity of the being or person of Superman is definitely explored a lot more as a core foundation of the story than any yeah. of the other ones I've read before. Um, so Bethany, I want to kind of hand it off to you and ask you, what did you think about the commentary and the story about John's humanity in this run? I, what thing, one thing that struck me um, is something that, like, because I'm a person of two nations, so I'm British mm -hmm. American. I've got two citizenships. Um, right. I feel like I can criticize America um, because I spent a large portion of my childhood there. And right. I feel like I, I have the right as an American to criticize what I love. Um, and what Definitely. I'm part of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now that I'm also British, I feel like mm -hmm. that extends to the UK. Um, <laughs> Superman in, I think the first issue when they were having the conversation on the moon, when John and his father were having the conversation on the moon, Superman mm -hmm. said that because he doesn't feel fully human, fully of earth, he is aware of mm -hmm. his status as an adopted um, citizen of earth. He doesn't right. feel like he can influence it from the inside. He doesn't feel like he has the right to tell Earth how to be. And John, right. as a child of both worlds, has mm. the ability to be that voice, that more emphatic voice, as well um, standing beside protesters, as well as just being a shining beacon on the hill. And mm. I think that that was the most beautiful thing because it didn't say like that Superman is less than human or other than human. Cause he's, he's the most human superhero there is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. He, he operates out of a place of moral striving for, for his ideal of goodness. 
Um, and mm-hmm. that is a very human urge. Um, but John is because he is of earth as well as the stars. He is in mm-hmm. a position where he can influence the future of the planet. And I think right. coming at the story from that perspective was incredibly intelligent. Um, mm-hmm. And it also might have been Taylor, who is Australian, you know, um, right. commenting on what he feels he can and cannot say as a writer, um, mm-hmm. which sorry, <laughs> is a position that I, I sympathize with. Um, but it was it was beautifully done. It was a way right. of grounding John and making him more integral, not only to the DC universe, but to the world of the readers who are inhabiting it temporarily through these books. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I loved yeah. it. And I, and I think that the theme of parenthood ties into and parental responsibility um, and the desire that children have to protect their parents. Um, Mm -hmm. that's not something that you see very often in, um, in literature of any kind, honestly, but it's, it's very true. Um, I know my son, he's two and he's like, (laughs) if one of my spouse or I gets upset, he's just like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Kids have that urge to nurture, and I think that portraying John as a as an older teen um, struggling with that desire to protect his parents and the mm-hmm. realization that what he feels mirrors what they feel for them that was one of the most grounding and humanizing elements there were. Um, and yeah. also finding out that our uh, that. Um, Alfred Pennyworth was talking to Jonathan yeah. Kent on the phone. Like they were that talking was really about cool. Yeah. Superheroes <laughs> that was <Yeah>. so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I love that because it's like, they're not alone in that experience, you know? So it makes sense for them to, yeah. once they, you know, connect to be able to do that. Cause yeah. you have to have some sort of support with people who are also in the same situation. So I yeah. love that detail. Yeah. That was so cool. Superhero parent support network. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we kind of want a, a comic book series of just like the parents yeah. of the superheroes, you know, in a, in a Super coffee Pets chat, right? Series, yeah. They should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Tom Taylor can write it. Like when yeah. they finally oh, yeah. bring Alfred back from the dead, like yeah. um, <laughs> you can have and oh, Batman. Yeah. Batman and Superman can join as like honorary members. Um <laughs> and they can just have like <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. A, a superhero parental knitting circle. Um, oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. Yeah. yeah. So so going back to what you had um said with Superman and John Kent sitting on the moon talking. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I I yeah. love the the I love that whole um, scene, anyways, to begin with. But I also love the moments that went up to leading to that first um, meeting with not first meeting, but when they first met on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, is that yeah. Jonathan tried to go to college uh, under disguise so he can have a <laughs> you know quote unquote normal life in a terrible wig? Yes, in a terrible wig. Yes, 
And apparently that was also, you know, first day of college was also the day that a gunman decided to come yeah. in and, uh, you know, try to uh, kill a lot of people. And, and you know, the, he had sketched out like, you know, thoughts and prayers on the bullets and everything. Um, and so to protect everybody, he pretty much had to ruin his secret identity. And Jonathan Ken, you know, stepped in to save the day. And so everybody knew who he was. He got overwhelmed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, he drove to college in some sort of Jeep. <laughs> yeah, it was a knockoff of a Ford. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was like cleverly done in terms of, you know, like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, doing a parody copyright. of different. Yeah. yeah, you know, doing a doing a parody mm-hmm. of different car models and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. he drove in a Jeep like vehicle to college. And so instead of mm-hmm. just driving back home, he actually he literally picked up the Jeep and took it to the moon <laughs> with him. And I, I thought it was I remember laughing by like a good minute because yeah. I thought it was just a fun, it was like, of course, if you have super strength and super fly and things like you that, would. you would do that, you know. So it's just a kind of a funny imagery that they had though, there. The, t- the tires. If you bring tires into zero G, that's true. Like yeah. interesting things happen. First they explode and then they implode. It's you rubber. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure Bruce Wayne probably gave him some sort of tech for that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Magic. Um, excuse me. Science, science tires. And right, non-explosive. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that was a very humanizing thing though. He was, took his toy with him. One of the things for me about what this series talk about in terms of the humanity of Superman is I love how even though he has super strength and all the super abilities that comes with the Kryptonian, this focus a lot more on how mm-hmm. John represents what ordinary people can do to make a difference the same way he is. Um, and so you see yeah. Superman with the people, you know, protesting, you see him helping people, you know, build a, a community. Of course, you know, at times he uses some mm-hmm. of his superpowers to kind of help speed up that process, but they were very intentional about making sure they illustrated and told stories that, John is doing things that anyone can do to make a difference, yeah. which I thought was really cool, which we we see that yeah. in in a lot of issues of Superman. But I think it was a it was more of like kind of a, hey, let's a, a cool, like happy feeling type of thing. This was more intentional and in weaving that as part of John's personality that he's always thinking about how he can you know make a difference um, Long term versus the immediate resolution, mm. and so I thought that was really cool yeah. how they did that. Um, and I also love how, even though he has superpowers, we see in a lot of instances he struggles with, um, you know, the psychological aspects of being Superman and and what it yeah. means to be a superhero represent, um, you know, Superman to the people, and so he relies on mm-hmm. a lot of support from non-superpowered people. So like Jay, who is his love interest, that is a, um, you find out later that he does have superpowers actually, but at first he didn't know that. Um, And then his parents. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, You know, he he relies on his parents. He relies on, you know, Robin and Nightwing and Mm. and Dreamer to help affirm what he's doing. So it was really nice to kind of see all that struggle that he doesn't have to go through that alone. And they did a great job Mm. of introducing that. The the last thing I want to say about the humanity of uh, John Kent in this run is that I have to give credit to where credit's due. My local comic shop owner told me about this, but apparently Tom Taylor had mentioned that um, in the whole series, there's only one time that you see John Kent actually throw a punch. All the other times, like he has yeah. used his superpowers, but it was yeah. never it was never in like a 
like a violent, violent way of throwing way, a punch. An offensive way. It's always yes. either defensive or protective. Yes. And I thought that was a really interesting yeah. twist to that. And I think says volumes about just because you have super strength and all that, it, you shouldn't resort straight to that. And I think that was a really cool doing it very subtly because he doesn't really like make that apparent to you. You, you know, I only found out because my you know local comic shop owner told me that, and, and even even he didn't know that until he heard an interview with yeah. Tom Taylor. And I was like yeah. looking like when I read through it because I just read it like a few days ago, so I heard about that detail before I read this, and yeah. so I was paying attention to that. I was like, oh my gosh, he's totally right, and that's really cool storytelling for that. Yeah, and I mean, like I didn't notice it at all, and I'm kind of I feel a bit ashamed about that. But you're absolutely as soon as you said it, I was just like, oh yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. I think that oh, yeah. that's one of the one of the things about John, though, as a character, he when he was um, overclocked, um, when he mm-hmm. got hit by that ray and was overclocked, uh, he was talking right. about the world made out of paper. Um, yes. And I think that that's an aspect of Superman's personality, which isn't really considered as often as it should be. So much of his character is based on restraint. Um, right not using force, not using Mm -hmm. the power that he has or using it in a way that is designed solely to protect other people. He is sort of Mm -hmm. like Captain America's shield as opposed to Wolverine's claws. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Becomes a defensive power user as opposed to a proactive punchy, punchy, Flat the yeah. bad guy power user. And I think that that's one of the things that so many writers don't get about the character is mm-hmm. it's his restraint is a, is an essential part of his goodness. And Taylor understood under Tom Taylor understands that um, viscerally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about um, yeah. how the story also focuses on, um, you know, he focuses on a lot of his relationships with people, mm-hmm. but specifically his parents, I think, was a yeah. huge aspect of it. Let's let's talk about that. What what were some of the things yeah. that you appreciated about how the story shows uh, John's uh, relationship with uh, both his mother Lois Lane and his father uh, Cal L slash Clark Kent? Yeah, I think the fact that his father is so nurturing is mm-hmm. so nurturing both to Lois, like reheating her coffee constantly. <laughs> just yes. It's just a small little detail, but it's like an act of caretaking. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have this image of the, the most physically powerful man who is usually depicted in such a hyper toxically, almost toxically masculine way, um, mm-hmm. being so dedicated to nurturing both his son and um and his spouse and being mm-hmm. absolutely supportive. Um, right. There's no codependency in the Superman mm-hmm. Lois relationship. Um, yes. There's support. And I think right. that that is so integral. It's uh, integral. It's Lois Lane has her own thing and her own goals and her own values that Mm -hmm. intersect with but do not fully align with her husband's and superman is the same um and Mm -hmm. they nurture and support each other and they they love their son fiercely and that love manifests in different ways they help each they help him um superman's heartbeat 
using his heartbeat to calm his child. That was so right. affecting as a parent yes. because that is something that like I know you know when they when when your kid is lying mm-hmm. on your chest and like you you see them smile <laughs> because yes. they're listening to what's going on inside of you and just that power to create a safe space for your child, no matter how mm-hmm. old they are. Um I think Taylor absolutely nailed that. Um mm-hmm. and that goes back to the lettering again. Because did you catch um like how the heartbeat was in a different in, in different sizes and different fonts reflecting the distance between oh. the characters? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- that, I think when you when, now that you yeah. mentioned that, I think I noticed something about that. I don't think I put it together yeah. that it was supposed to be a heartbeat, but yeah. yeah, that no, that's a good yeah, I did not catch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like I like I like I like stuff like that. Um little, <laughs> oh, yeah, little touches. Yeah. yeah. Um but again other other parents, um, Batman, what kind of <laughs> yeah. loving, caring, and paranoid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Very paranoid, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Jonathan Kent's um I think we covered that in Martha. Like their mm-hmm. their um their absolute trust in their son and their absolute love and their acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like we're, we'll probably deal with this more in um, when we're talking about bisexuality, but like in issue number 17, which again, I cannot recommend strongly enough. Um, yes. Superman is waiting and presenting, giving john opportunities and john says something like when when he eventually tells his father that he's bisexual um tells Mm -hmm. him about jay um he says that he was worried that if clark had given him the wrong look right even just a slightly wrong look or looked um Mm -hmm. even slightly disappointed it would have shattered him and that's right so true um and Superman, like sorry, they're both Superman. I should I should say Cal, um, feeling angry that his son mm-hmm. was not comfortable enough to um, be open with him as easily as he should have been. Um, right. Should that that deadly word should, um, <laughs> and it's it's not clear if who he's angry at if he's angry at uh, John or if he's angry at himself. I think that was right. so honest and resonant, and the fact that he could admit these feelings. And here we have mm-hmm. Superman again, like the Man of yeah. Steel, um, being vulnerable in mm-hmm. the way that the uh, like in the way that gives him strength um right. he has the strength to be vulnerable both with his child and with his spouse and that mm-hmm. is just it's perfect it was, yes it was yeah. so well done <laughs> yeah yeah and, and um We'll get to that and more about um, LGBTQ yeah. representation in the yeah, um, comic a little bit later. But, you know, I, I noticed that when they were talking about that or when, you know, John was trying to come out, I don't think he ever actually said the words, you know, I'm bi. I, no. I think, it, they, you know, it it, it, it was yeah. always kind of understood what was happening, which I thought was really interesting because I think that was yeah. 
Um, and again, I'm I'm a straight person, so I don't have any sort of um, you know box to stand on when when talking about you know that experience of coming out and having those difficult conversations with your parents and stuff like that. So I don't I I can't tell you like if that is a significant meaning or not. The fact that he never actually says those words, um, I just thought that that was interesting. That yeah. it never was said, um, and not that it was like a good thing or a bad thing. I just, I, I just remember I noticed like the absence of that actually being said, and it just, it mm-hmm. must be significant. I don't know what the significance is because again, that's not my experience, but I, it, for me, it's, it's got to be at some level. So I think what he was trying to do was uh-huh. to, um, er, to show that there is no distinction for, um, for Clark and Lois between, um dating a girl and dating a boy and dating somebody of a, a in-between gender um right. or no gender um right. i think he they were i think he was trying to say that all relationships are equal in this way um right i think what it did the effect it had i think it would have been helpful because mm-hmm. he's been described as bisexual in interviews um by erasure is such a problem. Right. Oh my God. Um, right. If the characters don't explicitly say I'm bi, people mm-hmm. are going to say, put them in these little boxes, you're gay or you're straight. Right. Um, and I've seen so many internet fights that are just mm-hmm. um, based on this idea he's bi do not lie and as a bisexual person <laughs> who is experiencing relationship but i ain't straight um, <laughs> um former partners can attest um but it's right. it, it's it's harmful and i right. think that this is an area where tom taylor missed a trick he could have right. said um had john say i'm bisexual and it would have like been such a bomb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it would have ended a lot of internet squabbles and it would have helped a lot of people who were um who were reading it. But I, I understand what he was in trying to what he was trying to do and intention counts for a lot. And this was again one of the best coming out stories in comics ever. <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't detract from the success. Um, right. Right. So going back to um, how the story looks at the relationship with his parents, um, mm. I have to say, you know, me personally, I love seeing that, uh, you know, especially being a father myself that um, is an adoptive father. Yeah, I absolutely love seeing a lot of those moments of what you've said. Um, his John's relationship with his father is, is very good. I don't think there is any yeah. instance where. Um, you know, he was angry at his father or resented him or hate him or anything like that. Yeah. He was always, you know, had a loving relationship, always looked up to him. Even as a 17 year old, he always looked up to him yeah. and it misses him dearly when he had to leave the planet. You know, he always talked about how mm. he just wished he could talk to his father again. And the things that I had absolutely loved about um, what they did in this story um, is, is a number of things. But one is how they have a mutual respect for one another and how Cal is trying to be mm. supportive of John as much as possible. Um, but also yeah. um, respecting him, you know, in his space and allowing him to grow and to make his own decisions. Um, 
But I absolutely love all those moments when, just like what you said, Cal, you know, shows his vulnerability and, you know, gives his son, even though he's 17 years old, gives his son, you know, a hug like he's a little boy because this is a little boy, you know? Um, yeah. There's a huge splash page that they had of, you know, those two like flying and, and hugging each other in a very, you know, loving yeah. embrace. But one thing I absolutely loved, and I part of me wish this was a bigger panel in the issue, and I can't remember which mm. issue it was, but it was when they did a flashback of when they were trying to find John because he had disappeared um, in the past. Yeah. So it was kind of like their first introduction of how John connected with Nightwing as his mentor, and uh, Batman mm-hmm. and Nightwing found him in a cave. And so when they found him, Bruce called for Kal-El and told him that, you know, they found him. And as soon as mm. Superman showed up and saw him, he used his super speed just to go straight over to him and give him like a big hug. And I was bawling at that point because it's like that's how yeah. parents feel when they have that moment of I can't find my kid. I don't know, you know, if he's OK or if he's safe. Yeah. And it was just so powerful. Mm. And I love all the other imagery that they use in that. Don't get me wrong. Like the, the splash page that they had for those two was just phenomenal. But that one, I just wish was a splash page or just a bigger panel as well, too, because that is, is just, I think resonates with any parent. Even if you're, you know, somebody that, you know, took issue with this because of your personal views or beliefs or anything like that, that panel right there was just so universal for any mm. loving parent and any loving child, you know? And, and so, yeah, so I just absolutely loved how they show the relationship with John and, and his parents, uh, but especially mm. for um, his father here. And I think like my, my family's, my sister's adopted and I've got a foster mom. And I think that mm-hmm. one of the interesting distinctions that they made is that like they were talking, Cal talked about his biological parents as his parents, but that mm-hmm. didn't detract from the parental affection that he had for his adoptive parents. Adopting right. adopting children is viewed on the same level as mm-hmm. having them biologically. And I think that that yes. was a vitally important thing. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, I, Nightwing is adopted by mm-hmm. um, Batman, and Damien is his biological child, but they're both his sons. Yes. Um, and I think that that's something that is consistent um, in mm-hmm. in Tom Taylor's work. And it's very important because I don't know um, if like my sister, when um, when she was a little kid, people mm-hmm. always used to ask because she's um, she's a Filipino. Um, so people always used to ask, when are you going to go back to your real parents? And Ugh. it's such a cruel thing to say to a child. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and it, it creates the sense of otherness. And mm-hmm. the fact that this was completely absent, um, mm-hmm. completely absent from this story was refreshing. And I don't I don't know if that I don't want to step on your toes or see if that like detract from your point in at all. But that that was something that struck me as a reader as well. Was, yeah. Um, it was a wonderful thing to see for me. Yes. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And I absolutely, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it was just phenomenal. Like, I, I think it's, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, but I think it's just so phenomenal to see it as an integral part of the character of John and mm-hmm. just to not only see it as part of the story, but to visualize 
those moments. Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah, it was just it was powerful. So yeah. um so let's let's switch over to uh the LGBTQ representation yeah. here. And and what okay. I'm gonna do first because <laughs> I can't really speak about this. Mm-hmm. Um and I know you can. Um and so I just want to share one thing that I really enjoyed yeah. and appreciated here um from my own personal experience and then i'll kind of um, hand it over to you to talk oh. about you know the representation here but one of the things yeah. i noticed about this run that i absolutely thought um really just knocked it out of the park is those pinnacle moments when john had um these uh, life affirming events that happen. So, um, his first kiss with Jay when he tries to tell his mother, but his, you know, Lois is like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist. I figured it out a long time ago. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but when he first tries to tell her, um, and then the hug that he had with his father as well, too. It, mm. I, I don't think it was that part was really him coming out, but it was just when he, he finally comes home. Um, and yeah. so that's that was less about LGBTQ representation. there, But <laughs> those two um, with Jay and with Lois, they all had their own dedicated splash page. Mm. And yeah. I think that was really cool to show that this is a huge moment in the story. But that's also from mm. what I understand a huge moment for somebody who is, um, you know, going through the struggles of, you know, figuring out about, you know, what it means to be uh, a gay person or bisexual or lesbian or anything like that. And so I think seeing that as a huge affirming splash page, I thought was, was really Mm -hmm. well done for the series. And so um, that's all I'll say about that. I'll go ahead and hand it over to you (laughs) to talk about this. Yeah. It, It was granted the same weight and resonance mm-hmm. as a straight relationship would have been like yes. um your yes. first big romance um mm-hmm. and every character was universally accepting um damien was so sweet he yeah. <laughs> why are you grinning <laughs> it's disconcerting when you do that yeah um yeah <laughs> but um i love the relationship in this in this run too it's so great yeah there's there's an age gap now, but they still have that connection because I think Damien's a little bit more intelligent, um, and John has a a more I don't know I don't it not naive at all but innocent um, right in a, a, the difference between innocence and naivete um, mm-hmm. and just seeing it as there was no angst. There was right. no angst. There was no like um there was no fear of rejection. There was fear of disappointment, but not fear of mm-hmm. rejection. Right. Um and I I think usually when you see a coming out story because it's uh, so many of them are fraught and there's all there's that whole bury your gaze trope. Um so many of them are tragic and this was neither fraught nor tragic. This was just sweet and normal and natural as it is. Like mm. um the flirting, the nurturing, the again uh supportive without being codependent relationship that um that mirrors Lois and Clark's relationship. Um mm-hmm. Lois and Cal's relationship, but uh is is different because they're different people. Um right. so it's it and the fact that as Jay kept repeating, you don't have to worry about me. And I don't need to worry about you. You are invulnerable and I am untouchable. We're safe. Mm-hmm. We can just be together um, and be supportive and be 
healthy without having to be codependent. Um, And there was that one instance of, of uh, John damseling Jay um, <laughs> by trying to yep. stick him in the fortress <laughs> of solitude. And that yeah. was sweet because he's, he's young and he just wants to protect what he loves and he's afraid of losing the person that he loves, but being called on it and owning it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it was done in such a sweet, good natured way. Um, mm-hmm. And seeing that depiction, um, as well as uh, uh, the LGBTQ couples in the, um, my my brain just melted, um, <laughs> in the, the resistance, um, Wink and oh, Harry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and those characters were fantastic, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just uh, depicting uh, LGBTQ people as what we are, just people. Mm-hmm like everybody else <laughs> right? Uh, and the yeah. opportunity to have like, I think like the father son relationship on display between Cal and John. Um, mm-hmm. This is an aspirational book. So the yes. father son relationship yes. between Cal and John is aspirational. It's idealized. Um, mm-hmm. It's real, but it's something that we can as readers do what you're supposed to do with Superman. Take the lesson mm-hmm. and run with it. Apply it to your life um, in a non-metaphorical way, obviously. Uh, I right. think that this coming out story was also aspirational. This yes. is a reality that LGBTQ people would like to experience and hopefully mm-hmm. can make possible for our children. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not the reality that we have now, unfortunately. Right. Um, Mr. Thoughts and Prayers Bullets is the reality that we have now. Yes. But... yeah. <laughs> With our um, with aspirational fiction such as this, it's such, it plays such a vital role because it's not mm-hmm. blind to the problems that LGBTQ people are experiencing, um, mm-hmm. but it is aware of them and it's aware of how we can transcend the problems mm-hmm. that are experienced and faced by LGBTQ people, um, right. and how we how straight people can be better allies, <laughs> mm-hmm. straight parents can be better allies and mm-hmm. how we can support each other within the right. community and in the world at large. And I think that that was so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. The, the aspirational side of it is, mm-hmm. is vitally important. And I think right. like putting this example on paper um, mm-hmm. This is not, not how it is in most of the most cases, but it's how it could be and right. how you can work to make it happen. Uh, I mm-hmm. Vitally important. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that so that kind of wraps up our conversation for uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El. I, I appreciate you giving your insight about how um especially about lgbtq representation how aspirational this is um Mm. this is the part of the show where we go into the comics that we're reading 
So what yeah. I want to do is I want to share what people had um, shared with me of what they're reading. Cause I usually, yeah. before every episode, I'll do a call out on, you know, Twitter and our discord and our Slack channel for comic yeah. watch about what comics awesome. are reading. So I'm going to, I'm going to read what everybody is uh, shared that they're reading real quick and, and what they had to say about that. And then I will um, have you share what you're reading and then I'll share what I'm reading mm-hmm. as well too. So um, from Comic Watch, uh, Seth Romo said that he is currently reading uh, Mosley Number One from Boom Studios, which dropped earlier this month, and said that it was a great first issue that more people should check out. It's about a guy who inadvertently helps technology take over the world in his younger days, and now he's older and hates how much technology is fused to society. And then a magic hammer drops in front of him. He is given the motivation he needs to take on the tech god. So... I might have to start reading that now, just based on that description. That was, that's a great that description. Awesome. Thanks, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our Illuminacasters Discord, which again, if you're interested in joining, I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Uh, Joe Loves Comics said that he just reread uh, Superman Life Story to write a review of it on uh, League of Comic yeah. Geeks. And he also checked out the new uh, first issue of Image Comics series Black Coke by uh, mm. Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren. It was great and is excited to see more. Worth a try to see um, what you think if you haven't read it already. So, um, I am bros said that she's been catching up on the comics of phase two of the high Republic on star Wars side of things. Absolutely loving phase two so far, but it is star Wars. I don't know if that helps you too well, <laughs> which I have not read. So I, I, so I, I sounds like I have to experience that for myself. So, <laughs> Um, Wally from the Discord said, currently reading Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, better than they expected, and Supergirl, mm-hmm. Silver Age on the bus, which they absolutely adore. Um, Wednesday Pull List also said Spider-Man Life Story, um, which actually I think later on this year I'm going to be doing a review of that with uh, one of our yeah. um, other comic watchers, um, Aaron. He's going to be coming on to talk about um, Spider-Man Life mm-hmm. Story. Uh, panel to panel pod Marty said yeah. um, Chroma, Nightwing, and She-Hulk um, that's written by Byrne, Nightclub, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and Daredevil 2019 run, which I love Daredevil, so you can't go wrong with that. Carson pre- uh, said pretty much anything Batman related except for White Knight, World's Finest, Nightwing, and Urban Legends, which mm-hmm. we had a conversation about because I said, you know, it's it's sad that you have to say which ones you're not reading because there's so many Batman stories yeah. going on, just like X-Men stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris P. said that they dove into a reread of Spawn number one through nine. Uh, mm. And then Molly said that they're doing a passive reread of Mouse and only brief snippets because it's an intense read. And then yeah. um, I had some people on Twitter, and, and, and this is unusual. I don't usually don't get this many responses. Usually I get like a few, so mm. I think I have like 15 here. So this is very, very long, which is why I'm not commenting on a lot of them because I want to be able to read all of them. Um, but it's a lot for this episode and for any episode I've had, so yeah. this is probably the longest one, which is That's good. Great. Um, yeah, That's really but good. It, yeah, it's a lot to read all these, but but these will yeah. all sound really great. So that's why I'm like, I want to read, read these out because I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I appreciate everybody doing this. So um, the last comic shop podcast said uh, they read Contest of Champions in the hardcover gallery mm-hmm. edition. So like a prequel to the 80s Secret Wars as a lot of the ideas yeah. of superheroes being pulled out of rea- reality to fight each other would again appear in that later event. Um, mm-hmm. Plus those huge pages. Um, <laughs> comic Typhoon on Twitter said 
Exterminators was a different read. They said Exterminators was a different read, but it was a great change of pace and a cool short read too. Midnight Suns did a superb job bringing the team back. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I absolutely loved reading Gideon Falls and thoroughly enjoy what Jeff Lemire is creating these days. Short box summary said they're reading uh, Star Wars titles for fun up to War Bounty Hunters mm. uh, for the show. They're also reading and, and their show. They they run a podcast as well, too. Um, they said for the show, they're reading Astonishing X-Men from 2004 and Batman Hush mm. uh, at the Krusty Boy. So they're reading Radiant Black, which is a great comic. And he says their answer to Invincible uh, Saga, Harrow Co- County. Skin people and nice house on the lake, which they said they just started and super weird. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, I've heard good things about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I haven't read it yet, but, I, but I've heard, yeah, I've heard a lot of people really enjoy you it. So, yeah. I will, I will definitely <laughs> put on my list. Yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, uh, TMNT Nerd said that you just finished Batman 89. Thought Superman 78 did a better mm-hmm. job of capturing the voice of the movie they were pulling from. I haven't read Superman 78, but I absolutely love Batman 89. And so I was uh, bummed out to hear that they didn't yeah. like it as much as Superman 78. But, you know, I, oh. that's the great thing about comics is everybody had different tastes and they don't have yeah. to enjoy the same thing. So thank you, everybody mm-hmm. who submitted their um, reads for this week. And again, this is a long list. It's a good it's a good uh problem to have to have so many yeah. people submit to them um, and I apologize I'm not able to comment on all these but I appreciate everybody sharing those out they all sound really great and so I need to write, write these down and add this to my own list of yeah. things to read so thank you very much uh, Bethany what are you currently reading right now I'm, The Nice House on the Lake is great um, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading all <laughs> of the X books um, mm. I'm reviewing a lot of them and I Yes, I saw that. Yeah, such a great it's such a great era to be an X fan. Um, yeah, uh, and especially um, X Men Red, um, which mm-hmm. is and uh, Immortal X Men. Um, fantastic. Yes. but I think Marauders yes. is underrated. Um, <laughs> all of it's good. Um, yeah, Legion of X needs to get canceled. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't think we need to get um, I love. Um, but my son and I'm reading with my son. Um, so my spouse and I are actually going, um, we're both reading to him. Um, and, um, my spouse is reading a lot of old Spider-Man, like from the seventies. Um, and our son is going like Spider-Man. Um, and I'm reading Excalibur, (laughs) the first run of Excalibur with him. Um, and he loves that. Um, oh yeah how can you not (laughs) i'm reading i read most of the batman books um it would be easier to say which ones i don't read um yeah yep (laughs) i love the action the action comics um Mm -hmm. i love saga uh i love something is killing the children i think that that's really like it's difficult to read as a parent because a lot of children get harmed um and so i have to be in the in the right mood um mm-hmm. but it's it's beautiful storytelling um so i'm and i'm reading um i think my favorite book right now is immortal x-men um i think that yes Dylan that's a great one an, he's an astonishing writer he is so good <laughs> at capturing character voice it's yes. um and it's they're all different and they're all unique and it's 
so tightly plotted and I could go on and on and on for another hour and a half. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think you need to read the nice house on the lake. It is right. absolutely phenomenal. It's creepy and scary and beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. Alvaro Martinez Bueno's art is just, it's perfection. It's perfection on a plate. Um, yeah. And I, I, um, I'm also rereading all the old Hellboy, the original Hellboy, um, graphic oh, cool. novels. Cause yeah. I, I have been a Hellboy fan since I was like, what, 15? Wow. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 So my, my, uh, former co-host, I, um, yeah. Kevin is a fan of Hellboy too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have to be careful cause I can only read them when my son is not in the room cause it's, it's a right. little bit a little bit violent but yeah <laughs> right. um but yeah so those, those are the books <laughs> oh good yeah awesome no they sound they all sound great and yeah. like i said that there's a couple of, I, yeah. I absolutely want to read um i just i gotta put them on hold until i read through the other stuff that i'm i'm still working through as well did, did too, you read so. spider-man life story i i'm sorry i can't like we've talked about so many of them you've read it already yeah spider-man life story no that's one i just actually no, got for christmas to. Yeah, so I'm going to when um, when Aaron comes on the show, yeah. so we can talk about it. So, and I gotta Do say, it. that's kind of a selfish reason of yeah. why I'm doing these, is so that it kind of forces me to read these stories before the episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's people in our yeah. Discord channel was talking about that story and how much they love it as well too. So I definitely Did you have read, it. Uh, the Grand Design X Men Grand Design by Ed Pisker. No. No. I don't think should. so. No. It is awesome. There's a reimagining of the X-Men story. It's like Spider-Man life story, but with a a team book. Um, Oh, cool. um, It's got Pisker's phenomenal art um, Mm -hmm. with lots of pop culture references. You're reading Daredevil right now, and I think that you will enjoy some of the Daredevil references. Um, There's a scene of um, clutching Jean Grey's (laughs) grave like Daredevil who (laughs) clutched Electra. Anyway, yeah, go. Read it. Pick it up. I will do that. No, if that we sounds cool. If were in cool. the same country, I would just be throwing books at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be yeah, and I'll be adding it to you know my larger pile of things yeah. I need to read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The comics I'm currently reading, I just picked this up from my local comic shop. Is I got Daredevil number seven that I am planning on reading in the next couple of days. Uh, Savage Avengers twenty nine nine issue number nine. Uh, for those of you watching mm. the YouTube video, I mean the cover is a homage to. X-Men Days of Future Past. So when I saw the cover, I was like, this is great. I love David, who writes the story of David Peppas. He's been on the show before, um, and I've been really enjoying it. But that cover, I was just like, I love the fact that they referred over to um, Days of Future Past. And I thought that was a really clever way of doing that. Um, I got Batman One Bad Day Bane, which I'm very excited about. Um, you, you talked about this immortal okay. X Men. I got the latest issue, yeah. issue number ten, um, issue number one thirty six of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then this one I'm really excited about because I've heard nothing but great things, and it's different from anything that we have. But I just got the trade paperback of Chip Zdarsky's Public Domain, um, which Zdarsky oh. is is very much like Tom Taylor in that he's just he's a hot writer right now. He's writing so many things. They're yeah. all. Really great stories. And so that one I'm really excited about because it's not a, from what I hear, it's, it's, um, it's kind of its own world. It's not part of Marvel or DC or anything yeah. else. And it's, um, I've heard nothing but great things about that as well, too. When he's given room to play. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yes. Uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, 
and, and I didn't realize like he wrote a life story, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Spider-Man life story. Will, so I think you will really enjoy it. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just he, he's he's written a lot of great things and, and he's just mm-hmm. doing phenomenal things. And he's funny on Twitter and, and he's created some really funny stuff. And so I think anything from Zadarsky is going to be good. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Well, this has been um, our review of Superman, Son of Kal-El. Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before I let you go, why don't you share with everybody uh, where they can find you and your work online? Um, okay, so I was active on Twitter, but I've taken a hiatus from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the best place to find my work is on the Comic Watch website or all, or my publisher's, um, my publisher's websites. Uh, if you can buy a lot of my books on Amazon, but please don't because I don't get very much money from that. Um, and I'm oh, a okay. starving artist and I need money. So please buy it. I get a better, bigger cut from my publisher's website. So the Parthian, um, Parthian books, which is a Welsh publisher and Saren books as well. Um, and Indigo dreams for the poetry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can, uh, find me on that. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, yeah. Awesome. I'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes as well, too. So that way people can pick on the links and go there. So Bethany, Thanks again for coming on the show, and and I appreciate you talking uh, about Superman Son Kyle Allen and and every, all your thoughts on that. So thanks you again, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was great, and what I I really love that your insight. You have tremendous insight. <laughs> so thank you oh, for thank this opportunity. You. I I appreciate that. Thank you too. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps in Life. I hope you enjoyed listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps in Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsinlife.com. 